Okay. Um, hi, Krat. Welcome to the interview. Mm -hmm. uh, please interview, uh, introduce yourself in a few lines. Okay. Uh, so, hello. I'm Pratain. I am uh, 19 years of age from the United States of America, uh, in particular Washington, D.C. I've lived there all my life. Uh, relevant points about myself. Uh, a very nerdy person, I guess. Um, a lot of my free time. Uh, I spend uh, trying to be uh, well-read, trying to keep up to date on science articles. I teach myself uh, different sections of math very often. I listen to a lot of linguistics and language or cultural lecture series. Um, huge fan of TED Talks. Huge fan of basically learning whatever I can about any topic. Uh, I think it's a really fun pastime and it takes up a lot of my time. Um, Let's see. You uh, mentioned that book, you were. Uh, I've read. Oh, okay. yeah. No, no, go ahead first. Uh, so, uh, just two things. Most recent book I've read uh, is the Bhagavad Gita, which I'm currently reading. Um, favorite scientist is probably DeGrasse Tyson currently. Um, favorite mathematician is definitely Ramanujan. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you were going to college soon and that you were specifically mm -hmm. interested in a college with a good number theory department. Yeah, so <laughs> I messed up a little bit, honestly. Uh, a college that my sister is going to, uh, which is Wesleyan University uh, up in Connecticut. Um, and I plan to double major most likely in English and uh, math. Um, I may mix that up a little bit and have uh, some different humanities uh, and like, there's a slight possibility I would do a different sort of uh, science or mathematics uh, major, but I definitely want to do a major in each of those uh, disciplines. Um, Wesleyan is a fantastic school. Uh, it has a fantastic theater program. It has a fantastic English program. Number theory, number theory uh, is probably not going to be as uh, well executed, I guess, there as I would have hoped from my understanding. Um, so I'm probably going to look into maybe applying for some transfers uh, to some places this year. I think probably uh, Columbia, Yale, and Harvard uh, oh. best fit. That hmm. Okay, so moving more into the LEGO PvP world of things. Um, yeah. Could you describe how you got uh, Event Coordinator on the Overcast Network? Uh, yeah, so I guess this kind of goes back to before Reshif got Event Coordinator, which is before Conquest. Um, both of us at the time were sort of starting to get to know each other, I guess, um, talking a lot about things. We were both saying that uh, we were really pleased with the things that OCN had did, but we felt that uh, it was reaching a point where things needed to ramp up. We both had significant interest in helping out, um, and both of us basically were applying and saying, like, we've enjoyed our time so much as players, but uh, we want to have the opportunity to help out um, as event coordinators, even if that means we have to step down from playing altogether, uh, because we would like this to be something that is infinitely better, if possible, for people who come after us and who take part in these tournaments. Uh, that time, Reshef got it. I did not get it um, for various reasons, which I can't really go into. Um, and then after uh, this tournament, AOA, uh, I sent in a message again. I restated the fact that um, I was very much still interested in helping out in whatever way I could. 
Um, and also I told them basically about the fact that as going off to college, I'm probably going to step away from leading as much, might still kind of stick around in a coachy sense and help out with map making stuff, but probably not going to be there for maybe the day-to-day grind of shot calling in game every time. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a natural transition point. And uh, you were managing the streamer side of things before this, right? Yes, I have for a few tournaments been managing streaming side. Largely, that is kind of my role, which will continue as event coordinator. Um, but I think there are a few more things that I will hopefully be able to help out with. Mm. So now that you have the event coordinator uh, position, what are your plans or goals as an EC? Um, well, I guess the vague goals that I can talk about uh, are... A few things. One, definitely just uh, increased exposure for sure. Um, as someone who's been doing streams for you know a few tournaments without that badge, constantly been trying to get those higher stream counts, uh, increase viewers, you know, bring people in as much as possible. The end goal of this definitely to rank up and to uh, expand uh, is to become a spectator event. Uh, I think that it's taken a lot of us a bit of time to really adjust to that idea. And the faster we get that and the faster we work together towards that as a community, the better because, you know, when you get huge view counts, you can start to reach out to people, you can start to have a huger sway, and it just feels so awesome to think, wow, all these people are watching me. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing I really, really want to do is I want to definitely integrate the community as much as possible um, in uh, systems as little biased as possible. Uh, into the tournament process. Um, I think that maps currently are really just not keeping up with the speed at which players are breaking them. And I think it's a huge shame that you have so many figures in the community that are so tactically inclined and so clever and that we really aren't bringing them together right now. Um, Something I'm definitely pushing for is uh, bringing, I think, uh, members uh, together, both in the map making community and bringing together people from the active tournament community to give feedback, to discuss game modes, to figure out what we can do to fix metas. When you say uh, the players are breaking maps faster than they're made, do you mean, like, are you talking about something about similar to RMCT, where people would find exploits really, really fast? Uh, I think it's not exactly exploits that are problematic. I think that what we understand, really, especially as we start to venture into new game modes, is that maps are so much more than just a collection of blocks. What really brings them to life are the 10 players that are interacting on that field, making decisions of where to go, making decisions of what area they're going to influence. And I think in so many cases, we don't understand the first time we think of a game mode, you know, uh, this is what will happen, this is what will be a problem. Uh, Take CTF, for example. I think the first CTF maps that were made were very interesting when you thought about them. But the second we started to realize, wow, there's a point in this map, a really important point that we never thought about. And that's the point that you run with the flag to. Like we were sitting down and think, okay, there's a flag here, there's a flag here, there's a flag here. You grab them, but we never really thought, wow, you're gonna have to run somewhere where you find you're safe. So that point on the map looks to be this point, How does this point function? Is this good for gameplay? We just never thought about that. Once we started to think about that and started to look into things, I think we started to have a much more valid opinion on it as a game mode and as a set of maps. Mm, So when you talk about, I mean, since maps are so interlinked with the 10 players that are playing on them, what do you think about the, uh, what people have been proposing about bringing team sizes down to eight? 
And if you think team sizes should be brought down, mm-hmm. how far do you think? Like uh, the number of players on a field and the size of a roster, do you think it should be brought down? And if so, how far? That's an answer that's, uh, sorry, that's a question that's really, really difficult for me to answer because um, as of now, different game modes function better with different team sizes. Or rather that uh, I think that team sizes work in very different ways. Um, for TDM, uh, I think that it really depends on the difficulty of the map uh, for a shot caller. Because to me, the larger the team size, the more important the shot caller is. So maps like Limbo, where it's super fast-paced and it's all about keeping track of players, knowing who you should send where, honestly, I think having those higher team caps functions really well. Because it favors the person who can think, hey, I should leave these two people here, start to contest this point, move towards this rotation, put pressure here, do these things. Uh, if maps are way too straightforward to the point that you know there's not a lot of difficult decisions to be made, then I do think that having a higher amount of uh, players is problematic. Um, then when you mix into other game modes like DTC, it does get a lot more complicated. There are some maps that are so simple you can just have five people Icarusing around, and you know I don't like that as much. There are some maps where you have a lot of support roles that are necessary. And you have to have, you know, some canners here, some shots here, and ten just really feels like you fill out the map more. Um, CGW also a really tricky thing, especially because I feel that CGW is at such a critical point in its metagame right now. We're kind of finding ways around the traditional stale midi problems to it, but we still have to sort of find a new vision, something besides RFE two that fixes everything, uh, and that's going to be a long process. But uh, CTW definitely is another interesting hassle because if you think about it, the number of defenders you have affects the number of people you can have pushing. And if you have multiple uh, options that are hard to rotate between, you may have two people on sky, you may have four people on the ground, you may have two people in tunnels. When you cut that down from 10, suddenly it becomes really hard to cover those different methods of offense. I think the, the, the most... Like numerical answer I give you, uh, with the risk definitely of not uh, accommodating for certain maps uh, that I love within metagames that aren't in the same genre as others. Uh, I think DTC plays best with 10. I think CTW fits best with 8. And I think that uh, TDM Conquest uh, fits best with 7. Okay, so you are not only an event coordinator on the Overcast Network, also on uh, Bad Lion, you are a tournament advisor. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are your um, plans or goals over on Bad Lion? Um, well, a lot of things I think with Bad Lion. I think Bad Lion has a different kind of niche and opportunity, uh, largely thanks to G-Sheet. Um, the, the things that uh, give me huge trepidation with OCGC right now is that whereas the game modes are really solid and the teams are there, put together, well-established, robust, uh, there's definitely some issues in that if you start to make things much more serious, you know, if we talk about having prizes, if we talk having uh, events that are in front of huge audiences that matter a lot to people, suddenly, you know, there are those problems of DDoSing, of hacking, and uh, DDoSing, not many ways you can combat it that easily. You can't talk to people about it, find ways to uh, get around it. 
You can definitely have matches that are standalone between two teams. I think that's a great way to combat that in that uh, if somebody is hit offline during a match, if someone's trying to hit people offline to uh, tilt a match in someone's fit, uh, you can just replay the match if it's just two teams playing each other. Definitely there are some complications there, but DDoSing I'm less worried about. Hacking is incredibly prevalent, unfortunately, in the community, and as it becomes more and more important who wins, as it becomes more than just a badge and a star and a flare and a few months of donor, that's going to become exacerbated to the point that it's really worrying. I throw a competitive thing. It needs to have an anti-cheat. Uh, Badline is very much the converse to me um, in that it has the G-cheat down. It's a really nice anti-cheat. Of course, there are things that could be improved, but it's to the point where you know, you're starting to feel safe with having upped competitive, you know, cutthroat events. Problem with uh, Badline really is that, to me, they don't have game modes that are compelling, to me at least, so far. Um, one of the things that uh, first got me interested in being a tournament advisor on Badline was the possibility of creating game modes like that, uh, especially because uh, by doing it from scratch, I got to draw on my OCTC experience while at the same time thinking, you know, moving forward, for example, maybe a 5v5 game mode is just a sleeker, easier one for a very competitive event. Decision so much easier when you're starting from scratch. Uh, 5v5 is the mode to, like, lol in Dota. Yeah, and also, like, for example, uh, with Badline, um, I think that we're really going to start to try and push out some uh, interesting game modes, very different from OCN's. Um, and I hope they'll be enjoyable in different ways, and I honestly would hope to continue to play both in the future. Um, I, I think there was another question about like the interaction between the two of them. Uh, I don't have that question down, but I mean, if you if you want to talk about that. Oh, that was, sorry, no, that was on the AMA. Never mind. Um, but yeah, like so, I think it's kind of an important thing to just say uh, quickly, just because uh, I remember a lot of people. Um, we're talking to you like, ah, how can you do both? How can you, um, I guess, be loyal to two servers? Uh, and the thing I've always said is that when you create a competitive community on one server, it's not really server-specific to me. To me, more the success is that you've created a community of people who enjoy playing competitive games. Those people might hop over and play an RFW tournament those people may hop over and play some 5v5 thing on Badline, and then they might hop back onto OCN and do the same thing. I think that having a lot of servers working together with a similar goal of pumping out those competitive game modes, having different niches and working together is the most important step towards having some severe success. Um, and I really, really hope that uh, as someone who has been lucky enough to have some prominence in both communities, Badline and OCN. Uh, I can help to bring things back together. I can help to bring the servers closer together again. Because I feel that they both have their strengths and they both have their weaknesses. And I feel that having some flow between the two of them would definitely improve both servers. Okay. So, I mean, still talking about the competitive thing, what do you think about the uh, recently released ranked servers on OCN? Um, I think that they are a fantastic platform. I think that I stand completely uh, why the decisions 
uh, having to uh, what why the decisions about what ranked is currently makes sense currently. Um, but I definitely do have a lot of high hopes for ranks. I do have uh, things I would like to see happen with ranked. Um, I, the problem with ranked right now to me is that it really is a toss-up based on what your team is. Um, the problem with intricate game modes where you have you know five, six necessary chores that have to be taken care of in the first minute, you can't really always do that. You see matches of SSB where the ship isn't watered and people are just, you know, going to get diamond stakers. And, you know, we could blame them for things and we can call names, call them rushers, call them whatever you want, but their decision makes sense. If you think about it just mathematically, like, you want a weighted average. You want to do as much as you can with what you can do. Playing by yourself, just playing offense effectively, is the greatest way to have an impact on most of the maps. And so I think it is problematic right now that we are encouraging, basically, a game mode of rushing uh, and definitely a game mode of playing solo offense on certain objective game modes. Um, and in tournaments, that's just not at all the case. So we can compensate for that with some different maps that, you know, tournament-wise, we would be like, this has terrible gameplay, this layout is terrible. Maps like Justice uh, that really in ranked, I think, play wonderfully right now because it's not a group of people that is playing, like in tournaments, uh, completely in sync, playing together. It's just a, people, a group of people who are playing somewhat individually, playing off each other a little bit. Um, I definitely, though, would love to see ranked turn into a filter into the competitive community. I think that you know, every few weeks, every month or so, uh, we lose some incredibly prominent figures, we lose their experience, uh, we lose their voice within this community. And that's a huge hit, I feel, in something that's so run by those types of players. So I think it's really important that we take players from the public servers and we create a really easy uh, stepping stone path towards playing in tournaments. I think it'd be beautiful if Ranked had several uh, tiers, basically, to it, like uh, League of Legends, for example, such that a really good tournament player could be playing at the highest tier and they could meet someone in a match that they'd never played with before. They could play a match with him and think, this guy is amazing, I want them for my team. I would love to see that happen. I would love to see that reinvigorate uh, the recruitment process for a lot of top teams that for now seem to really be content on recycling players from current tournament teams into their own. So in, in the most recent... Um overcast tournament AOA uh, you lost to Punishers in the quarterfinals uh, lost on SSB won the Conquest Rot and then lost uh, Next Gen I believe mm -hmm. so you your team has been quite prominent for a couple of tourneys uh, you won BIAB and you won uh, it escapes me yes House of Course um, how did you feel getting knocked out relatively early compared to earlier tournaments um, to me, it was completely deserved, uh, which is why, I, I don't know, a lot of my team members were, you know, really pissed off. I think as a lot of teams, you went through the phase of, you know, excuses of, well, this could have happened and this shouldn't have happened and blah, blah, blah. At the end of it, what happens happens and that's how a tournament goes. I mean, I've had uh, tournaments uh, where I just didn't have, have all the defenders that I'd have. And you just got to make do and you got to try your best. 
I mean, I've had events where that star offender you want to be in the game is not there, and you just try and find a way around it. At the end of it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and that's just really how things work out. Um, for that match in particular, Punishers was beautifully practiced. Uh, I talked to Shroomtastic and uh, Red Sentry afterwards, um, and they did, uh, in a bit of a cheeky way, uh, confirm that yes, they had been kind of counter strating for the way they knew we would play. and. I think that there's an, uh, a, ten a tendency to respond to counter-stratting saying, oh, it's unfair, it's bogus, and it really isn't. I mean, these were two people who knew exactly what we were going to do. They found a beautiful way to play around it. Uh, they had backup plans for everything. They were well-rehearsed, and they were ready to beat us. And in the end of it, they deserved to beat us. I think that we had some opportunities, definitely, to win there. Um, on SSB, uh, there were some times where we got that Skybridge up, which would have been a very strong counter to that Heavy Acres push, uh, but we kind of let it slide on the cannons, and we did not get those counters up to make sure that we could keep those Skybridges, and that led to a serious downfall. I think that we should have maybe held out the core a little bit longer, though I am very pleased that we did hold it out for that period of time. I am very pleased that we were able to spot out those Icaruses to hold off the first push. Uh, I got into a huge, I guess, argument uh, back and forth with Matt Susan about whether or not losing those two antennas start of the game was a really good or a bad thing. Actually, before the match, we had been discussing, uh, and I had said I was fine losing those things because I felt against a team playing that aggressively, you win 3-0 or you lose 3-0. That's really kind of how it works. Um, and so I, I was kind of prepared for that. We went into that, and it didn't work out in the end. They played a beautiful game, and I think they deserved that SSB victory uh, the whole way through. Moving on to Conquest, um, it was, I guess, a real redemption for me. Um, flashing back to the actual Conquest tournament, uh, Dopamine had practiced so much for that tournament. We scrimmed like 30 times a day or something. We had gotten such beautiful communication. Um, we played Facility so well, but we weren't really recognized for playing Facility that well in that tournament. I think it later happened in AOA that people kind of recognized us as the best Facility team, which was a great feeling. Um, but actually, the day of Conquest, uh, when we were playing Impact, when Impact first debuted that strategy of yeah, playing defensively like that, um, I was actually I was driving to a production. I, I had a, a musical that day that I, that I was... Uh, in um and of course uh, at only red lights uh i was looking at my phone and i was looking at the stream um and i saw what happened and literally just in my car just yelling just like starve them for arrows grab gapples and then push later on and yeah. <laughs> like literally like like instantaneous like the exact same reaction the, the thing that we eventually went on to do. And I so wish I had been there at the time to do the exact same thing while these teams sub in for one minute, make that call, make that push, take the game back into our favor. Um, getting the chance to do that in this tournament uh, and you know just having that quick pace, sub in, all right, this is what we're doing, and doing it, God, it felt so good. I mean, we were so disheartened after that SSB match. Turning things around, keeping from going on tilt, felt amazing. It really gave us a chance to get back into that series. Uh, and then finally, next-gen. Um, Punisher was just straight up better uh, at the map. They did have a, a version of the strategy that 
had been a little custom tailored, of course, towards the way we played. Very, oh, sorry, ground push oriented, um, and it worked out for them. Uh, there was one opportunity I felt that I had the chance to win that game when we retook the side island they had been pushing. Uh, I made the call to push immediately, not to tear down the bridge, just to push straight away for the wool. Uh, my team talked me out of it, and I had remembered uh, back to House of Core Finals. Um, I had made the call to push a sort of sky bridge off the Iron Island towards uh, the core for weakeners, considering they were stalemating so much. I thought that solo offense wouldn't be enough. I thought this was necessary. I made this call for a few minutes. I kept calling my team up to it. My team didn't do it. I went forward with it. and I basically had gone forward alone because my team hadn't responded to that. Uh, and that definitely did cost us that Iris game. That cost us the possibility of winning that game. Uh, so having that flashback, I thought, you know, I should back down from this. I shouldn't go through this. I should listen to my team. I should back down. Uh, and that was a mistake in that case. I really should have gone there. That was a golden opportunity that I wasted. Um, and ironically, uh, a similar thing happened right before the start of the game. I was thinking, what if we straight up rush? Uh, what if we send six people in the first two minutes, like we had fooling around a few weeks back, tried, and had great success with? Um, I think we definitely could have gotten incredible proximity at the very start there, and we could have had the opportunity to be able to play defensively ourselves rather than uh, play aggressively against a team that is playing for the long game. So I guess the short version, <laughs> after all that rambling, is Punishers played a beautiful game. Um, they had two people on their roster who I consider at this point to be two of the greatest tournament players of all time, Shroomtastic, Redstone Vivo. Um, and the rest of the people on, this, on that team are no slashes whatsoever. I mean, they're all fantastic players. They were well-practiced, and they definitely deserved that win, I feel. We had some opportunities to take it away from them, and we missed them. And so in the end, I, it was a great game, and I'm really glad to have gotten to play in it. Mm -hmm. All right, oh, so... Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. The, one thing, the one thing I forgot that I should probably include is a lot of the reason why I said uh, that we didn't really deserve that, I guess, in my opinion. Um, I was absent for t the two weeks before finals. I was off on vacation, <laughs> and we kind of stopped practicing as much then um so i, I mean the, the polish that punishers had achieved was obviously from uh, intense practice intense stratting um and we just had not put in the work i, I didn't think we deserved it at that point for not having put in that work hmm. okay That's so yeah, final question um mm -hmm. this is kind of overarching about about most of your previous answers. Why Why do you put so much personal effort and your own time into expanding Minecraft as a serious esport? Uh, this is, I, I think, a, a weird question that I had to answer recently. Um, On your AMA? Because, yeah, yeah. Th th there's a few reasons why that's the case. Um, the first is that I really, really like Minecraft. I really, really like the people I've met over the course of playing Minecraft. I think it's a fantastic puzzle. I love puzzles of all kinds. Um, and, and just, you know, sitting in an environment where you're laying out in front of you the actions of people, where you're predicting the actions of people based on your experience with them. It's just so fascinating and it's just so entertaining time and time again. Um, so Debbie, my interest is a great reason as to why I put in the effort. Um, I think that also my disappointments over the times of playing 
is a great motivator for me. Um, I mean, I know that eventually I'm probably going to have to move on to other things. And I really hope that before that time, I can have some way of positively influencing uh, the community, the meta, um, and the environment of competitive play, such that if someone else comes after me, is really motivated to strat, to lead a team, to do whatever they want to do, they do it in a better environment that they will enjoy more. Um, and the last one is, I, I don't know, it's a reason that I, that I feel could come off as either a little prissy or a little um, unexpected, uh, which is largely that uh, I, you know, in a lot of areas, I guess, that I've um, tried my hand at, uh, I've been very successful, I guess, in them. Um, I, I think that I am pretty good at a lot of different and disparate subjects, probably with the exception of uh, geography and self-control. Um, and I think that that has been very fun for me. I've had a lot of interest in a lot of different things, tried a lot of different things and pursued them. Um, a problem, I think, is that so many times I've really wondered, did I get this opportunity because I was the most deserving? Or did I get this because of the privileges that I've been given in my life? I mean, By, by winning uh, the birth lottery. By what? Winning the birth lottery type thing. <laughs> well, like, for example, um, uh, this summer I had the opportunity to, uh, no, sorry, not this summer, this school year I had the opportunity to intern at a law firm um, to be working with someone who is a fantastic uh, uh, figure, I guess, in uh, criminal law, um, someone who had worked with my father. Like, this is someone who is a... Uh, a Harvard graduate, incredibly smart guy, uh, so, so helpful as a mentor. Um, and I, I really just wonder, you know, if my father weren't a lawyer, if I hadn't gotten this through him, would I have had that opportunity? Uh, when I went away to um, uh, France, uh, I met up with uh, some French cousins on my father's side, uh, and one of them owns a significant portion of uh, Bacardi, the, the rum um, company, uh, down in Guadeloupe. And uh, he, after talking to me for a few hours, uh, said I was a really interesting kid and I wondered if I wanted to uh, intern there uh, and to kind of work with that company for a summer uh, down learning the French language, uh, getting hands-on experience in a company like that. Um, my my grandmother uh, has been way way more culturally inclined than so many other people I know, um, and I've had some opportunities in the arts definitely through her influence. Uh, my grandfather is a psychologist; he's been practicing for like fifty years, um, and I've had some opportunities to learn psychology and to get some experience in that field because of him. Um, I, I think that I'm incredibly grateful for those opportunities, but one of the things that drew, drew me to Minecraft um, and that drew me to this goal, which is just so ridiculous, I think, and so difficult uh, and so kind of uh, unlikely at times when I think about it, is the fact that anything I achieve, um, I know that I did it myself. I had no shortcuts. I had no help. It was just purely that I was more driven, uh, I worked harder, and I thought 
in a more creative way. Uh, and I, I mean, the, the problem I think with that is that in the end of it, if this does succeed in a serious way, uh, it's not just going to be at all, at all, just me. Um, I would be so, so pleased to make a minor contribution uh, after so many other people have done so much more, I feel. Um, but to me, just knowing that whatever portion I contribute uh, was solely on my own power um, is a great solace. The, the idea or ideal of being self-made. Yeah, self-made man. Self-made right. Minecraft man. <laughs> yes. All right, um, that's it. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for taking the time out. Not at all. It's been enjoyable. All right. Bye-bye.